Thank you. It's kind of good to walk through memory lane, even if you wasn't on the lane at the time. <laughs> it's good, because we have to remember how far God has brought us. And that's the critical thing about when we, when we get in, in difficult times. We have to look back, and that's why we're supposed to count our blessings. And we have a lot of blessings, because God's still on the throne. God's still in charge, and there's nothing that's happening that, ha- that he wasn't aware of. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have a God who loves, who sees, and he cares, and he understands. And if we'll just come to him and be good soldiers, like he said, God will work everything out, and God will make everything fit into place. And when we get through this time, we're going to look back and say, hey, look at how God got us this far. And it's going to be so exciting, and we're, gonna ha- we're still planning on tearing out walls. I still have that vision. I still have, have a lot of visions for this church. My husband and I do, and I know the congregation here has visions for the, for the growth of this church. And we're the only church in Fredonia. And we can't afford to close the doors. And God doesn't want the doors closed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to get excited about that and forget what I came here for. That's okay, right? Okay. This morning, in case you don't know it, it's Christmas time. How many didn't know it was Christmas time? Alex, did you know that it was Christmas time? All right. We have a children's church if you would like to, if you would like to go. It's, you don't have to. It's uh, kind of up to you. Uh, but it's Christmas time. And I know when we think about Christmas, we think about angels, we think about wise men, we think about Mary in the manger and all these other kind of things that we think about. And would be right to think about them. But this morning, I want to talk to you about where Christmas actually starts. And it didn't start with Mary. Are you surprised? Didn't start there. We never, that's where we start the Christmas story, but the Christmas story started a little bit in advance of that. Like about uh, six months before Mary even came into the picture. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke, we're going to talk about the forerunner of Christ. In Malachi 4, 5, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Jesus couldn't come till his forerunner came. And I've never, ever heard this in a Christmas message, so if you haven't either, that's okay. I'm kind of, you know, excited about it myself because I've never really thought about that. But that's the reality of it. It didn't start with the shepherds. It didn't start with Mary. It started with John. And we're going to talk about him because it was prepare the way of the Lord. And that's what John came for. And we're going to look at some verses there this morning. I don't know whether I'll get through it all. If not, I'll finish it up tonight. So if you want to hear the last half of this, you have to come tonight. Is that all right? Amen. Usually I try to do like a few pages worth of notes and I'm way past that. So I know I'm going to be in trouble here this morning. Unless I talk fast. You want me to talk fast? Or do you want me to slow it down? Okay. Amen. Okay. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. We all there? Okay. See, Plage is turning. Okay. We're going to be in this chapter the whole time, so you don't need to worry about putting your finger in anywhere. This is where we're going to stay. During the time when Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah's name means the Lord remembered. Now, if you don't know it or didn't know it before now, Old Testament people and New Testament too, they named their children names that meant something. They didn't just pick a name out, oh, I like this name. This is the name I'm going to give my kid. I did that. I, I named my one son Sheldon because I liked the name. I liked Jason because I liked the name. Did it have anything to do with anything else other than I liked it? 
But when God chose names and when Old Testament people chose names, they meant something. And Zechariah's name meant the Lord remembered. So every time he introduced himself, he said, hi, my name is the Lord remembered. Great. How about that for a name? I'd like that kind of name. Now, who belongeth to the priestly order of Abinadjah? I'm not very good with Old Testament names. Don't pretend to be. Don't try to be. And his, name, his wife's name was Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's main name meant God is my oath, my faithful covenant maker. Wow, that's pretty a good one. Man, my name is the Lord is a faithful covenant maker. Wow, that's great, isn't it? Woo, that brings up some eyebrows. If you introduce yourself, hi, my name, what's your name? My name is God's my covenant maker. What? But that's what happened in these names. And so when we look at names in the, in the Bible and we're studying it, don't overlook the name. They mean something. And he was of the priestly family. Now, Judea, in case you didn't know it, was a province of Rome. And uh, during the time of this story, Herod the Great was in charge. And he took over at 40 B.C. and he died at 4 B.C. So if you think that, that uh, Jesus was born on 0 B.C., you'd be in trouble. In case you didn't know that, Jesus wasn't born on 0 A.D. B.C. He wasn't in that period of time. He was born before that. There are different kind of speculations about what that time was. But Herod the Great was the king. Now, when they called him the king, he really wasn't a king. He had no authority of a king. He only had the authority that uh, Rome gave him. So he was under that rulership. And he was an Edomite. He was a descendant of Edom. So he wasn't even a Jew. He was just somebody they put in there because he was a, like a war hero, what we'd call a war hero today. And he could govern very well. He was very gifted in government. He was very gifted in, in, in those kind of things. And he is the one that's responsible for building the temple. And he adorned it and decorated it and all those other kind of things. So he was, he was the guy that was in charge. But he was known not only as a war hero, but he's also known as the most cruel man that could be. And he was very, very cruel. And if you study his life, he had no qualms about killing people. He killed three of his own sons because he thought maybe they might threaten his throne. So everything that he did, he was very cruel. And this was the guy that was in charge. And of course, you go into the Christmas story, then we know how cruel he actually was. So, and during this period of time, there are a lot of priests that were around. From the time of Moses till this period of time, the Levites, they just continued to grow and grow and grow. And during David's time, he divided these priests up into 24 groups or 24 orders. And uh, Zechariah was of the eighth order. So he of these certain courses or whatever they were. He was the eighth, or the eighth week, if you want to call it. And every year, whatever week he was on, that was the week that your group or your tribe or your whatever served in the temple. Okay? That's who Zechariah was. And um, see, we're on verse 6. They both lived good lives in God's sight and obeyed fully. I'm reading out the Good News Bible in case you're wondering it doesn't line up that right. I like to read the good news sometimes because it's easier sometimes. So, but if you got King James, you kind of get the idea of it anyway. So I better say that first. You'll think I'm, I'm out here re retranslating here. They li both lived good lives in God's sight and obeyed fully all the laws of the Lord and his commands. Now, how would you like that said about you? They obeyed all the Lord's commands and everything that he did. He obeyed everything internally and externally. A lot of people, and a lot of people don't even do that, obey God's commandments externally but not internally. But this couple, this priestly couple, 
obeyed them all within their hearts. And those are the ones that God looks for. You notice that? He looks at the people that obey his command internally. Externally, yeah, those are nice because those are the testimonies that we have to the world, and that's how our, our life speaks so loud people can hear us. That's the external things. But God's interested in the heart. And this couple, who was of a priestly descendants, and both of them were descend, direct descendants of Aaron. This wasn't a, a, a usual occurrence. This was something that was a little bit unusual during, you know, for this time frame. They'd be in the tribe of Levite, but not direct descendants from Aaron. So John, when he would be born, he was actually... Could have been a priest. So he had that legal heritage to him. And they were faithful, very faithful to service in God. And I would like to be faithful. Good soldiers, be faithful to God. Man, that's what we need to do. doesn't matter. We may not can be able to do anything else, but we can be faithful. We can show up in his house. We can show up and, and praise and sing praises to his name and pray and worship. We can do all those other kind of things because he seeks the faithful. But these people were faithful. And because they were faithful, God sought them out. When we're faithful, God will seek us out. We don't have to worry about God finding us. He will because he looks at our heart, and he looks at the faithfulness of our hearts. Verse 7, they had no children because Elizabeth could not have any, and she and Zechariah were both very old. Elizabeth was barren. Now, if you read anything about the Old Testament, you know that not to have children was one of the worst things that could happen to you. You'd rather be poor as long as you had children. I'd rather be rich sometimes. <laughs> but the, to them, that was their wealth because they showed their wealth by how many children that they had. But they were barren. Elizabeth was barren. So they knew for whatever. I don't know how they knew that, which one it was, because a lot of times we don't know who people who have children. We don't know if it's the man or the woman. But here it says Elizabeth couldn't have children. And now they had exceeded that time of age when they could have had children. But here they're still hanging on. They're still hanging on to a hope. And there was the greatest desire that they had. And the reason that they had a desire for children was that their name would never die out. That was why they wanted children. If you came upon this earth and you had no children, then you died and there was no memory of you. That's why the, the God told the, in, the, in the, one of the laws that when, if a brother dies, if a man dies and he has no children, then he has to marry the wife of his brother and raise up a seed unto his brother. And the first son that is born to him is not his, it belongs to his brother. So his name will not die out. So when God says, my name will live forever and ever and ever, he means it. And the seed of David will live forever and ever and ever because Jesus is that seed. So it was considered a, a curse from God or a judgment or God was angry at you if you didn't have children. So this is the circumstances we're looking at here this morning. But God didn't, God isn't content or doesn't require to go by our, our rules and our regulations. Verse 8, one day Zechariah was doing his work as a priest in the temple, taking his turn in the daily service according to the custom following, followed by the priest. He was chosen by lot to burn incense on the altars. Now at this time in Palestine, at, in Palestine there was considered probably 20,000 priests that were present. And this order, if you divided them all up, that's a lot of priests that couldn't serve. So what they did, because there were so many people, they drew lots to see who got to do this. Who got to be the one to burn incense? Who's the one that got that privilege and an honor? And it's something that probably only happened once in your lifetime. So it was very special. 
And that's what we have here. We have Zechariah. Man, he got honored. He got blessed. Man, I get to go into the temple. I get to burn incense. Now, incense is what they did. It was a, it, it, the altar of incense. It was kind of like maybe about this high. And all along the corners of it, it had like kind of like, I don't know what you'd call them, triangle, whatever sticks up all around them, whatever. And they had handles and whatever. But anyway, inside this, they had coals. And what the priest would do is he'd go in there and he'd take this incense that, I'm not going to go into the description of it because it'd take too long to describe it, but it was a, it's a special mix that they used specifically for giving incense. And what he would do is take some of this incense and he'd put it on these coals and be, the fragrance of it was so, oh, it just smelled so good that God forbid this formula to be used for anything but incense. Now this incense that they had and they burned here was similar to our praise and worship. Because we don't burn incense in the temple anymore. We don't do that. We don't have to. I'm thankful. I couldn't afford to, to put that mix together to burn incense in the altar because that was expensive ingredients in there. But we can come and we can praise and we can worship God, and that is our incense to God. And they did this burning of the incense twice a day, at 9 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So if we don't do anything else, we have at least two times we as Christians should praise God. We should praise God in the morning. We should praise him in the evening. And if we can put it in, praise him in the noontime. To be, that's the least that we should do. Of course, we get into it. David said, I praise God seven times a day. But that's between you and God. But at least twice a day, we should be able to find time to lift incense up to God in praise and worship. And when you come here on Sunday morning, hey, we took care of that one for you. We took care of your incense this morning. Got to praise God if you got to worship God in song. Okay, so we were there. Uh, Luke verse 10. Verse 10, excuse me. So we went into the temple of the Lord while the crowd of people was outside praying when the incense was burned. Now this had to have been a, a high holiday or a Sabbath because during those times there was larger crowds that was involved. And while he was in there, the people, well actually it wasn't people, it was just the men were the only one allowed in the court. So if you were lived back there, women, we were kind of cut out of everything. We didn't get to do all this, this stuff. We didn't get to come to the court and be able to praise and worship God in the court of God. And I'm thankful that God, in his great mercy, allowed us to be free from all that stuff. To be, you know, We could come in and we could worship God. So every time we praise God in a church, every time you're allowed to sit by your husband in a sanctuary, you say, praise God that I don't have to sit over here. I praise God that I can come in and I can worship and praise his holy name. So we're thankful for that. But only the men were allowed to be there. And it's kind of interesting that this is the moment that God decided to reveal his plan. And this is the moment that he's going to announce Christmas is about to start. This was the moment. He didn't choose the shepherds. Yeah, he announced his birth. But this is the forerunner. This is the time that he chose it. And he chose it to a priestly man. A priestly man that served God faithfully and didn't look in external circumstances in his life. He just trusted God. Because if he didn't have children in the Old Testament, we know that Abraham and Sarah couldn't have kids, so she gave him Hagar to have a wife. And we know how much fun that turned out to be for us today, right? He said, uh-uh, I'm not getting involved in that. I'm not going to have a Hagar. I'm not going to have one of those in my life. If I don't have any children, I'm not going to have them because I'm going to have it through my wife. And I believe God can do that even though it seems impossible. He still was hanging on to God. He was still trusting God to know that, hey, if he did it for Abraham, if he did it for Isaac, if he did it for whoever it might be, he can do it for me. So he had that faith, and so he was still praying God 
asking God for a child, irregardless of the circumstances. And if we're in circumstances this morning and we're saying, I don't know how he can do it, I don't know how he's going to work it out, I'm here to tell you that God can work it out. God specializes in the impossible. And he doesn't care about what's going on. He doesn't care what we can see or what anybody else says. God can do anything. And we need to continue to pray. We need to continue to trust God, irregardless of the circumstances. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar where the incense was burned. Wow, that'd be kind of a shock. It'd been 400 years from the time of Malachi till this, and there was not a word from God. There was no prophets during this period of time. Nothing was going on. And all of a sudden, here's Zechariah going and trying to perform his duties in the temple, and whoa, there's an angel that appears. Whoa, that's kind of, that can be kind of scary. Now, the altar of incense stood right, before, right in front of the curtain or the veil into the Holy of Holies. And the, um, the candlesticks was on this side, and the table of shoe bread was over on this side. So he was, that's where he was at, and he sees this angel. And like every time anyone in the Bible sees an angel, they, get af- they were afraid. They were scared. He was scared. I'd have been scared probably. See something, whoa, all of a sudden you don't hear anything about God, and all of a sudden here, here's an angel in the holy place. And that's where we're going to find God a lot of times is in the holy place. And that holy place isn't necessarily just here. It could be in your prayer room or your prayer closet or in your car going to work every day. Wherever it is, it doesn't matter because God will show up. And that's what happened here. And when, verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was alarmed and felt afraid. I'd have been afraid too. But we also know that every time an angel showed up, something miraculous usually follows. Isn't that true? Every time God has a miraculous, some kind of appearing or something that happens, maybe it's just something that he puts in our heart. Maybe it's just a burden. Maybe it's just a desire he puts in our heart. We know that something miraculous is going to follow. Amen? We just have to be, be ready for it. Amen. Okay, verse 13. The angel said unto him, don't be afraid. That kind of ridiculous, don't be afraid. But it seems like it works. Yeah, I see these you know, crime movies or whatever, and a guy breaks into the house, and the, and the, and the criminal says, don't be afraid, I'm not going to hurt you. And all of a sudden, the people say, oh, okay. Isn't that amazing? Just some little word, somebody breaks in or whatever. Well, this is kind of what happens with these angels. They say, don't be afraid. And all of a sudden, there's something about those words that just calm us. Well, God's here telling you this morning, don't be afraid. It doesn't matter what's going on. We don't have to be afraid because God's in charge. So don't be afraid. And then he hears these wonderful words. God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. And you are to name him John. Amen, John. Now, John's name means the Lord is gracious or shows grace and favor. Whoa, wait a minute. Here it happens. Here it starts. The age and dispensation of grace is about to start. His name means John. So every time you speak the word of John, it means grace. The age of grace is happening. So that's great. What a great, great name. To start the Christmas story, grace, grace, because that's what Christmas is about. It's God's grace to us and his loving us and his mercy that he shows to us. So, John, grace. So it tells Zechariah here that he'd heard his prayers. Sometimes we wonder whether God hears our prayers, and we think that they're only going up to the ceilings, and they're just bouncing off and hitting us in the head, and they hurt when they come back, don't they? 
But he's saying, I hear your prayers. God hears every one of our prayers. Whether we know it or not, he does. He hears them. He doesn't answer them like this all the time, like we want him to. God isn't a microwave God sometimes. Sometimes it takes a long time. It took 400 years before his voice was renewed into the earth before he announced the Messiah. But the people, if they had been look, reading their Bible, they know it was going to happen because in Daniel, if you study the book of Daniel, I don't have time to go into that, but Daniel gives the exact time and even the exact hour that the Messiah would go through the eastern gate. So they knew it was happening. They knew it was going to come. So it wasn't a surprise. So they were kind of looking for the Messiah. And yet, you know, we kind of know God will do some kind of things, but sometimes we don't believe him enough to do it for me. So, verse uh, 14. How glad and happy you will be, and how happy many others will be when he is born. John will be great in the Lord's side. He must not drink any wine or strong drink from his very birth. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go ahead of the Lord, strong and mighty like the power of Elijah. He will bring fathers and children together. He will turn disobedient back to the way of thinking of the righteous. He will get the Lord's people ready to meet him. Oh, wow, how about that? How about if you're pregnant with your, your child or you're going to get pregnant and, and, and somebody says to you, your child is going to be great. He's going to be awesome. He's going to lead the people back to the Lord. Oh, man, those would be shouting words, wouldn't it? Wow, somebody told me that about my kid. Woo, great. I'd like that. And that's what the angel's telling them. And he said, he's telling them that he's going to be great. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit the minute of his birth or before he's born, at the minute of his conception, I believe it happened. Wow, that was something that didn't happen. If you're familiar with the Old Testament, the only time that the Holy Spirit came upon people was when they spoke God's word. But here, with a birth, the Holy Spirit is going to dwell with them all the time. And that's what happens when we come to God. When we come, we have a new birth. And from the moment of our new birth, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Amen. So we're anointed with the same power. We sit there and run around, oh, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that. Well, hey, we have that same power. If we're not walking in that power, that's our problem because it's available to us. You can sit at a banquet table all you want and starve to death because you have to pick up the fork. You have to do something to put it in your mouth. You have to do something. And sometimes we have to open our mouth and God fills it. And that's what happened in the Old Testament. He told them to go speak this. And they didn't know what they were going to say until they got there. And then the words would come. And that's what happens with us. Sometimes we talk to people and we don't know what we're going to say. And we have these little butterflies that kind of go in our heart. We don't, oh man, what am I going to say? What if I mess it up? You can't mess it up. And we just speak what God says. Sometimes it may not make sense. And if, we, and if we say something maybe the wrong way, it's okay. It doesn't matter. No one's salvation is dependent upon what I do. I can't save anybody, and neither can you. We can't save anybody. It's up to God. All we can do is be faithful and do what God wants us to do and say what God wants us to say. And when we are, he's responsible for the results. And I've done that sometime. And I'll go through a situation and say, hey, God, I did this. I did this. Now, what are you going to do about it, huh? What are you doing about it? Huh? What are you doing about it? <laughs> if you witness to somebody and it doesn't seem like anything happened, then go to God and say, hey, God, I was faithful. I did this for you. I did this because I felt you wanted me to. Now what are you going to do about it? Work it out. God, I'm anxious. And then sit back and say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Don't have to worry about it. And you know what? takes the pressure off takes the pressure off of me. I don't have to worry about it. I can sit back and I can do whatever God wants me to do and don't worry about it because, hey, you don't like it? 
Talk to the other, talk to the author. If you don't like what's in this Bible, talk to the author. Don't, don't come to me about it. Talk to him because it's his word, and he's the one that said to do it. And when we're faithful to do what he wanted us to do, hey, hold him accountable. He likes to be held accountable, doesn't he? Yeah. He loves it when you go there and say, hey, God, hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? And never, never give up in what we're praying about because God hears our prayers, and he's going to answer them. Zechariah 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know if this is so? I am an old man, and my wife is old also. Whoa, here's an angel giving him a promise he's going to have a child. And he says, how am I going to know this is going to be true? How do I know this is going to happen? And we do the same thing with God today. We don't sit there and, you know, badmouth poor little Zechariah, because we do the same things. We've got promises in these books that are written just for us. And what do we do about them? We say, God, I don't know how you can pull this off. I don't know how you can do this. Oh, sure, it happened them, and such and such, it worked for them. But it, I, uh, I don't know about me. I don't know about me. But we have to be able to trust God's promises. We need to quit questioning God. Because, as we find out, as Zechariah found out in verse 19, it says, I am Gabriel, the angel. I stand in the presence of God who sent me to speak to you and tell you this good news. But you have not believed my message, which will come true at the right time. Because you have not believed, you will be unable to speak. You will remain silent until the day my promise comes true. God shut his mouth. I'll take care of that unbelief. Bam! You ain't saying another word. You don't want to believe me? Gabriel says, I came from the very throne room of God with the answer for you. And you question? You question? I meant, man, that... That's overwhelming to me. You hear you see an angel and he tells you something, and you're going to sit there and say, how is this going to happen? I'm too old. I've been praying. I've been praying for a child. I've been praying for it. I've been trusting God. And all of a sudden, the angel comes, and he gives you the message. He says, it's going to happen. You say, how am I going to know it's going to happen? I read about Gideon, and Gideon had a fleece. You know, I want a fleece. Let me go out and get a fleece, and I'll come back. And what happened? God stopped his mouth. And the reason he stopped his mouth is because he did not want all that doubt ruling in the area. He had to shut him up. And God may have to shut us up so we can start trusting and believing in him. We need to have our mouth shut up by God. So if you get in a situation and start thinking about something, shut your mouth. God says, shut up. Start believing God. But we have to know what the promises are before we can claim them. And sometimes maybe God will send an angel. It might not be Gabriel. And he might look like Gabriel. He may look like the old bum down the street. He may be someone in a grocery store. We don't know because the Bible says we attend angel, we entertain angels unawares. So there's probably a lot of angels we entertained that we didn't know they were angels. That's why it's nice to be nice to everybody because you never know. And the last person you want to you, you get mad at you is an angel. My angels are mad at me because they've been trying to take care of me. And man, they've had their hands full. Amen. Man, I'll tell you. They're walking around me and they say, they went up to God and say, God, I can't take anymore. I can't protect her anymore. Let's just give me a new assignment. That's, that's, the, that's just me. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing they're probably tired of it. But there are consequences to unbelief in our life. 
And we got to know that. We got to know that we got to trust God. And if we read a promise that we need for a certain time, trust God and say, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but your word says it's going to, so I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you because I know you're going to work it out. I know that somehow, some way, Lord, you're going to work it out. And I believe that you are able to work it out. And ask God, say, increase my faith. Increase my faith. And that's why we walk down memory lane. To look at how God delivered us in the past. That's why we need to walk down the lane of our lives and look at the times that God intervened and God took care of us. Then we can believe that this thing that's in front of us, this mountain, this molehill, whatever it might be, God can work it out. Uh, Verse 21. In the meantime, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was spending so much time in the temple. Now, this priestly assignment of burning incense only usually took about a half hour. So the people outside were kind of getting a little concerned. What's going on in there? I mean, send somebody in there to work, you know, send incense to God, and man, he's still in there. What's going on? And they're afraid because they can't go in and get him out. It's, they can't get in there. So they're concerned. And sometimes when we spend a lot of time with God, people are going to be concerned about us too. I remember my dad when I got saved, and I was, you know, when I got saved, I got saved. You people that know what that means, that, you know, I got saved and that was it. And I didn't, you know, no holds barred, this is it. And I, you know, I lost a lot of friends, a lot of things. And everybody just stood around and thought, man, what are we going to do about her? And my dad called me on the phone. He says, Sandra, you know, he didn't care that we was drinking all the time and didn't, know, didn't care was carousing around. He says, Sandra, now, you and this church stuff is kind of going to mess up your life. And you're going to end up fooling around and you're going to lose Randy. And he's the best thing that's ever happened to you. Which is true. Amen. All that's true. All that's true. Amen. 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 And if you know that, since he's been here, he's been the best thing that's happened to this church, too. (laughs) Or one of the best things. So, amen. And I says, Dad, and I kind of surprised myself when I said it. I says, I don't care. I says, if I lose Randy, if I lose everything that I have, I don't care. Because I'm going to serve God. And I thought, whoa, 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 did I really say that? (laughs) Boldness come up inside me, you know. But I was willing to be willing to lose something. And because I was willing to lose something, I never lost him. As you can see, thank you, Jesus. God worked it out. God saved him miraculously. And uh, he's he's a wonderful Christian man, and I thank God that he's mine. I'm really thankful. I don't know what I did in my life that was good. Whatever it was, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I was there when it happened, you know. So I'm thankful for that. See, where are we at? So they were concerned about his safety after a half hour. So it's okay. People may get concerned. Just dispel their concern. Say, too bad, I'm spending time with God. It doesn't matter. And sometimes we spend time with God, we lose track of time. And that's okay. I remember when I was dating for the first time. You know, you could talk on the phone for hours and hours and hours and hours. Next thing you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And you oh, where did the time go? Because time goes so fast. When you're, when you're communicating and you're spending time with someone that you love. And that's what happens with God. And that's what we need to do with God. Talk to him like we would a friend. Talk to him because we love him and want to spend that time with him. And then that time frame doesn't matter. But people will be concerned and they'll start trying to, you know, work the, worry about those kind of things. 22. When he came out, that's Zechariah, he could not speak to them. So they knew that he had seen a vision in the temple. There's some people that I wonder if God would shut them up. They'd have to be because they had seen a vision, right? (laughs) Unable to speak a word, he made signs to them. This is where the first sign language is mentioned in the Bible, in case you wonder what came from from here. When this period of the service was over, temple service was over, Zechariah went back home. Sometime later, 
His wife Elizabeth became pregnant and did not leave the house for five months. Now at last the Lord has helped me, she said. He has taken away my public disgrace. Amen. Now it was six months after this that Mary comes into the picture. Now I'm not going to talk about the, the, the rest of this. I'll talk about the birth of John tonight. So if you want to hear the rest of this, you can come here tonight. But the events that led up to Christmas started with John. Started with grace. Started with God's mercy. And without John's birth, we wouldn't have Christmas. Because Jesus could not be born until John was born. And he was his cousin of Jesus. And it was six months, he was six months older than Jesus, in case you, you know, didn't know that. So Christmas starts with John. Christmas starts with the grace of God. And Christmas starts with the grace of God in our life. So when we celebrate Christmas this year, we had to think about the grace of God and be reminded that it doesn't matter whether it's been 400 years since the word of God came. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's been two days since you could hear God's voice unquestionably in your heart because it doesn't matter because you have the promises that he's with you always. He'll never leave you or he'll never forsake you. It doesn't matter if you keep praying the same prayer over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter because God says, I hear your prayers. And he cares about our prayers. He cares about everything that we care about. If we care about it, God cares about it. And if it matters in our life, well, that's what we need to talk to God about. Everything. Not only the things that we think about, whether our children, our, our families, our extended families, our, our church, our Christian friends, all those other kind of things are important. Our leadership. But everything that may be small and insignificant. God cares about my dog. I'm glad he cares about my dog. Because I care about my dog. So if it's important to me, it's important to God. So my message this morning is, you've got to remember that God cares. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter what the, the neighbors say. It doesn't matter whether people think that you've been cursed because your life isn't as prosperous as what they think it is. Because God doesn't measure success by the bank book or the checkbook. That isn't the way God measures success. God measures success by what we have done for him that he's told us to do. Have we been faithful to God? Have we come to his house? Have we worshipped him? Have we been faithful to our giving? Have we been faithful in everything that God has asked us to do? That's what we need to worry about, those things. It doesn't matter. Oh, it's great. And I believe that God wants everybody to be, be as rich as they can be. But I don't want so much money or so many things in my life that it's going to turn me away from God. I'd rather be poor and in God's service and serving God and feel his love in my life than the richest person there is in the world. David said, I'd rather be a servant in the courthouse than be in the highest throne room. And that's the truth. And that's got to be the prayer of our heart. And as soon as we can be faithful among the fewer things that God has given us, then he's going to give us more things. I tell people, God has, has given you as much money as he can trust you with. And that's the reality of it. As soon as God can trust you with that money, then he'll give you some more. But it seems like sometimes we're so selfish with, with things, we just hold them so much in that God can't trust us. So he isn't going to give you. A lot of money if, you, if you're not faithful with a little bit he does give you. You look at all these people that win the lottery. It ru a lot of times it ruins their lives. Look at the movie stars in Hollywood. It ruins their life. Fame, fortune, all those things, it ruins their life. But God says, I don't want to ruin your life. So I'm not going to give you all those kind of things. And I say, God, don't give it to me if it's going to ruin my relationship with you. Because I want to be found faithful. I want to be there. So when God dispatches the answer to my prayer, I want to be able to say, thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord. And sing, he's taken the reproach away from me. He's answered this prayer. I've been praying for 10 years. I've been praying for 20 years. 
Maybe it's only been for a month. I used to get so irritated at God sometimes when Randy first got saved. I'm a, can you God and answer every one of his prayers? Ah, I get so mad. I said, God, I'm praying for this and praying for this and praying for this. And it seems like all he has to do is just mention it one time and you can't grant it. I started writing my prayer list and giving it to him. <laughs> hey, I know what side the bread's buttered on. <laughs> and that's why we have prayer requests in the church. It's because so all of us can pray about it. Because some days, you know, someone feels more like in the attitude of praise and worship. So we want to make sure we get it in there, right? Amen. So we need to be careful and we need to know that God loves us. And God is going to answer our prayers. And God's going to see us through anything that we may have. And we don't need to worry about doubt. We don't need to fear. Because God's still on the throne. Amen? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Come tonight and we'll talk. And we'll, 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 get, we'll get John born, okay? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus.